0: We are going to talk a little bit about parenting here this morning. Now, often you hear about the four types of parenting.
1: We touched on this a little bit for a segment, and we, even while I read the article, I noticed we're mostly one, but we can kind of come in and out at different seasons. You don't fall cleanly into one necessarily all the time. Well, (laughs) I think we
0: actually all have tendencies. Yes.
1: And even with as we try to process our own childhood, there's still some of the dysfunctions that we've had from growing up that creeps into our own parenting, and because all parents are fallen, right? So our kids will right. say the same thing about us 20 years from now.
0: And as we try to adjust from our parents' mistakes, we yeah. end up over-adjusting or oh, neglecting yes. something.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But, you know, when the Bible says to train up your child in the way they should go, doesn't that sound a little bit like boot camp? I mean, come on.
1: What is that private pile? Sir, Donut, sir. Yes, sir. He sure
0: does. <laughs> Train up your child. And I'm the training. Rod, You're being trained.
1: Man.
0: Spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm-hmm. So grab a rod, get in line. For <laughs> real. Do what I say. Yeah. There it is. It's biblical. Yeah. Do you see how quickly that can become a problem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think far too often we as parents forget that we're still sinners and we have to somehow portray that to our kids—that mm-hmm. we're sinners, we're fallen, and we're broken. Yeah. And we make mistakes.
1: That's right.
0: But as opposed to talking about those four styles in a common way, there's actually an interesting uh, piece written by Gerald Sinclair where he says he actually thinks there's six parenting styles. Hmm. And they have dramatic impact on our kids. And I love where he ends up as well, where there's clearly one that's healthy and it may not be what you think. We'll get to all that here in just a minute.
1: You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors, the scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we are going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia.
0: So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. So one expert, Gerald Sinclair, is his name says there's actually not four parenting styles. There's six. That's something you would do. Parenting style, yeah. That's what you need to do to get noticed.
1: They ain't four. They're six. Here's the article. <laughs> Boom.
0: These people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so uh, let, let's take a look at some of these. Uh, let's take a look actually at five of them, and I want to see what you think of them. Number one would be close to the uh, authoritarian style, but it's the I'm always right parenting. Yeah, This guy says, as much as I wish this wasn't a thing, it is. There are parents in this world who want their children to think that they are perfect and can do no wrong. Uh, This can leave your child, as he or she develops, thinking that they're not capable of living up to their parents' standards and making them feel like they're not good enough. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's the parent, and I think it's easy to slip into this, Mm -hmm. where no matter what, you're right. And their children, what do they know? Nothing. Yeah. See, I told you.
1: Yeah. The, I, I took it differently based on some of my experience early in life. So, like, I was a teenager. I've talked to my mom about it. A long time ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you can be, like, my mother was not authoritarian at all. She, like, she was awesome. But, so you can be, like, a authoritative parent in a healthy way and not share your mistakes from the past. So it's not so much I'm right today on things that we're talking about or boundaries I set for you. It's not sharing, yeah, man, when I was dating, like when I was 16, I needed to hear that. When you were dating and the mistakes you made or rules from your mom that you broke. And so implicitly, like by mistake, she made me feel in that season when I was younger, like, yo, I can't even measure up because I knew the mess that I was. We've processed it. And and as moms, we were just sharing with each other how difficult it is to share your brokenness with your kid, because then you don't really know, am I giving them permission? Like, am I telling right. them, you're good, you can kind of break the rules, because I did too. And so I see the fear behind it, because I feel it too. But as a kid, I know what it did for me. It was hard to to feel like, I, there's no way I could be like my mom.
0: Well, and I mean, the intensity of your your parents' story of... Leaving Dominican Republic, going to a new country, learning a new language. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to live up to that. Yes. Or like my parents like just left Minneapolis and went to a suburb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The challenge of that is a significant, significantly less. Yeah. Yeah. So that probably added some pressure to it.
1: Yeah, it did. Because then you also have to not measure up, but it puts pressure on you on. I did this to myself of like, I better make it worth them coming, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure. But But they didn't do that part. But I want to say the, I'm always right. It's not just today. It's also, and I think this is generational. We've touched on this where it's boomers. Sometimes maybe older Xers (laughs) feel the fear of, do you lose credibility when you share? Listen, I got my rules, but when I was your age, I struggled meeting my parents rules.
0: I want to know if that was hard for you, Ron. So does Janelle. Um, to admit I had mistakes. When, as a kid. Uh, would while be like,
1: your kids were little. Oh, when I yeah. was
0: your age, I
2: did the same thing. Um, if I had ever done those wrong. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what a good boy. Right. Um, I I talked a little bit about some of the things where I had, had broken the rules or whatever. Um, I... I had one incident where I modeled right in front of them. Um, We had had a problem and our our bed frame had dropped. You know, the slats had just over time moved enough that one roll over at bed at night, you know, and it boom, fell. And um, it woke woke us up, my wife more than me, because I was a pretty sound sleeper. (laughs) The bed broke and you're still sleeping. And she's like... Elbowing me, the bed broke. The, you know, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, it's middle of the night. <laughs> go back, go back. Yeah. So she called me a name and left. Um, <laughs> and and I, I must have said some words that were inappropriate to be said. Because the next morning, she was telling the kids about it and mentioned that. And they were like, oh, well. You know, if we do that, we get soap in our mouth. And I realized the spotlight was on. So I walked over to the sink and I put a healthy amount of dish soap on my finger oh. and I rubbed it in there for a good long time. Did you? Exactly what I I would have expected. Like if, if they had done that, I would have done this. So I overdid, you know, to to prove the point that I'm not above the rules either. Wow. And, uh, and it, How did they respond terrible. to that, Ron? Uh, they, they laughed. They thought it was pretty funny. But I think they got the message, too, that, you know, I'm I'm a, a subservient to the rules, mm-hmm. just like they are. I don't just make willy,
0: willy-nilly rules. You know, and I think that's a wonderful example. And no one's surprised to hear Ron was a wonderful example to his children. <laughs> but the I'm always right parenting style, in this case, I think many of us— Hear it, we go, oh, yeah, it's terrible. Who does that? But then if I ask, think in your head the last time you told your children with specificity that on something that matters, you were mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Not like, who was that actor again in the movie? And you get it wrong. That, that yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm saying something of significant measure. Yeah. That with impact. I, I mm-hmm. th- and I think what Ron is saying is one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, I, was, I did something that was wrong, and I tell you not to do it, and I did it. Yeah. I think a lot of people would struggle to think of anything.
1: well, how do you navigate that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I've heard enough of this in my life that I try to model it. Yeah, one of the big ones recently for Sarah and me, um I fail at this a lot, and i have I have one kid who thinks, you know that i I think I'm good at everything and I don't do anything wrong. But Sarah and I had this philosophy that we really wanted to make sure that we had a boy's room and a girl's room in the house and then a bunch of shared spaces, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even if we had enough room for everybody to have a a space Mm -hmm. or for most people. And the oldest three kids really wanted their own room Mm -hmm. for a lot of years. And we kept saying no. And for a lot of reasons I can't talk about, we ultimately decided we were wrong. And we Mm -hmm. sat them down, sat the oldest three kids down. I looked at them and I said, your mom and I, this was our philosophy. And I said, we were wrong.
1: Ooh, did we record that? And
0: we're sorry. I said we. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and and we immediately made a change that day, and that's, I helped them. Wow, we that's moved stuff good. all over the house to give them their own spaces mm-hmm. uh, and to give them rooms. And so, I can at least look at that, but I feel like I should have done it more.
1: I mean, yeah, there. I think we all we none of us do it perfectly all the mm-hmm. time.
0: But there are a lot of like. Can you think of when your mom or dad, when you were a kid, looked at you with something of significance and said? I was wrong. No. I can't either.
1: Not when I was a child, when I grew up.
0: I'm talking about yeah, exactly. while you were under yeah. their care up to yeah. age 18, can you think of any?
1: But I think it's enough, for those who have good motives, most parents are, are doing the best they can, right?
0: Oh no, I totally agree with that.
1: I, but I wanna say, cause even today you see it, I, we do this. It's a misunderstanding of authority and leadership you know, we feel like, and then we I mentioned credibility earlier, you feel like you lose that. You weaken your authority when you say, man, I messed up there. I'm sorry. Mm. Especially when it's something that you've told them, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> say, man, I don't even follow my own rules.
0: And yet, here's the difficult part. We think we're doing great things because yeah. we're, not, we're not sparing a rod and mm-hmm. we're training up the way they should go. And yet we're missing yeah. this thing that we call the gospel. Mm-hmm that says that we're fallen people that we're mm-hmm. wicked sinners yeah. and that pride, pride is what we struggle with. Not here. We're not struggling. Oh, I'm so humble. You know, I was just thinking so often
2: are we change in incremental ways based on new information that's brought to light or, you know, uh, changes in the child's character where we feel we can open them up to more, uh, rights and responsibilities. So, Things that where you might look at it and say, well, you could have said you were wrong about that policy or your position evolved based on new information that came about and
0: uh, new attitudes or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's always as dramatic as I was wrong. Let's fix this. You're Mm -hmm. right. I mean, it it could be just we're making adjustments because information is changing. Right. But do you remember ever hearing your parents, Ron, look at you and go, Ron? Little Ronnie? What, what did they? What did your mother call you? Ronnie? Well, when I was in trouble, Ronald Allen. <laughs> <laughs> did they ever say we were wrong or I was wrong while you were under their care? Not that I can remember. And see, I can't remember that either. Janelle can't either. And yet we all grew up in great homes too. So what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is that yeah. doesn't make you a bad parent, but I think a lot of us fail at this. Yes, we do. The I'm always right parenting.
1: There's actually something I'm thinking about right now that I'm going to talk to my kids about, because, and I'm bringing it up because <laughs> there are times you need to apologize to one kid, but there are times that you need to apologize to that kid in front of every all the other That's kids. Right. Oh, yeah. And there's, oh, and I'm, I failed at this and I'm going to tell him today. <laughs> so this kid keeps bringing up that in certain areas I am unfairly more critical and heavier on him than other kids. And the poor kid has even told me. Everybody else is seeing it. Like, everybody else is saying, like, yeah, man, she's tough on you. And I think he deserves a lot of it. But a lot of it, I know that he just rubs me the wrong way. And so I, I can see how I can come on harder. And not to toot my own horn because I obviously am failing on this because it's been, a, a, like, at least a year. But I think it takes more humility. Be- I'm saying this because I'm finding it harder. To do it in front of the other kids, because a lot of times we'll be hard on this kid in this situation in front of people. So he deserves a public apology. Wow. And yeah. for me to say, you've been right. And obviously he's a kid and, and I can explain, but to, to clearly say, you're right. Like a lot of times I'm harder on you.
0: Well, and you know, as another example of this, Dr. Winfred Neely is a professor at Moody Bible Institute. He's a guest on various programs. Uh, And he told a powerful story of an impactful moment. He did that for his kids. It's happened to everybody. He disciplined the wrong child. Oh,
1: my goodness. Like
0: something happened.
1: That's, yes.
0: A child was blamed, and he spanked them. And they didn't do it. And he found out a a couple of days later that it really, it wasn't that kid. So you know what he did? He he sat the kid down. He knelt down. So he's even even with them. Looked Mm -hmm. the child in the eye and said... I I did this to you and I was wrong and I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Modeling
1: that last part to a kid. To a kid. You're like giving him or her back power. Yes, you are. Oh
0: my God. But what you're doing is you're modeling to them the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's a preacher. So, of course, he's doing that. But again, we have, I think if you want to be an effective parent who loves Jesus, you have to be able to have at least one incident like that. Yeah. One of those incidents where you screw up because you do, and you look your kid in the eye, you tell him you were wrong, and you ask for forgiveness. That's a hard thing to do, but if you don't have any of those moments, you're an I'm always right parent. I don't think you should be. There's other types of parenting we'll talk about here in just a few. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. I'm going to be direct. We need your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks.
1: Six common parenting styles. Unfortunately, I'm finding myself a little bit in some of the ones we've mentioned already. The first one, I'm always right parenting and the importance of making sure that we acknowledge when we're wrong to our children. We talked about that. This second one is everything's fine parenting. These kind of parents fit into the permissive category, but are also a bit overly permissive to the point where it kind of feels like you're just living there and allowing your kids to kind of hang out, and so it goes there. The they're not strict in any sense of the word. These parents, and no matter what happens, they act as if things are always fine. Hmm. And I, the reason why I can see I, this sounds neglectful. This kind of parenting, right? Because you're not, you're just kind of. It almost sounds like the parents that are friends with their kids all the time. Yep. Which I'm not there, but I will say that one of the things that has helped me survive parenting, especially after number three and four, has been picking my battles. So there are things that I'll see my kids do that I'll just kind of let go because I can't jump into everything and address everything. But I can see how a lot of this makes you into a parent that avoids conflict, avoids confrontation. You avoid the messiness of parenting. So, for example, it could be I'll see kids go at it with each other. I got two of them in particular that are always arguing. It's easy to just be like, stop, or everybody's just stop talking or get away from each other. The more exhausting and more involved part is going behind what's going on, whether the root of it, whether it's selfishness or self-centeredness or seeing a pattern in a kid and really addressing that. You know, all like if you don't pick your battles, do you see how that's also not realistic? If you're constantly addressing issues all the time. Yeah,
0: there's plenty of times when Sarah and I look at each other and, and probably f- not, not for better or worse, but for worse, just are sort of like, I'm just. I can't do this right now, and so you just ignore it.
1: So where's the line? Or you the do line? The, take
0: the easy route.
1: Where's the line? Like, how do you not become the everything's fine parent, but also pick your battles? You know.
0: Uh, I think there, there are. You know, we're imperfect, and we need, and we make mistakes, and we need breathers, and so on, don't sweat the small stuff is what I would say. But what we can't do is. Be the everything's fine parent yeah. when there are significant issues of moral problem, uh, social emotional issues, mental health issues. Yeah. Like you can't pretend everything's fine when you get some major warning signs. Mm-hmm. And I think a parent of any kid, you ought to have at least one of those when your kid's growing up. Something that requires you to admit everything is not fine. Yeah. But I think it's easy to fall into this one.
1: And it's just, it's not just the mental health. Like I can think of moments where, you again, I brought up patterns let's say, of sin in your child or choices they're making where it's becoming a concern, I can see acting as if all is good. Or sometimes there's seasons where families, including my own, can go through where you know there's tension, whether it's between kids or parent and child or whatever it is, and acting as if all is good. And, yeah, you and can have family. the family. Yeah, you can have yeah. families where it could be, you could grow up through that. And then feel the ramifications once the kids are adults. But I can see how if in your own childhood, in your own family, you haven't been equipped, like your family didn't do that. You don't know what to do with that. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a lot of yeah. heaviness and, and a lot of baggage that people just would say, let's just not even touch that. If we're good, let's just keep going.
0: You know where I see the, the everything's fine parenting style more often than anywhere else
1: mm-hmm.
0: is with affluence. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Explain.
0: So so I work in nonprofit ministry, Mm -hmm. so I live on the other side of the tracks, but my wife and I live near a community that's very affluent. Yeah. I mean, my kids know some people whose parents have like private jets. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when I drop off or pick up my kids, it's like you have to look up to see the whole house. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. mm. It's just (laughs) a mansion. There's nothing wrong with affluence. Trust Mm -mm. me. You can be a bold follower of Christ and have tons of humility and be super generous, and still be wealthy, okay? Do you ever have to drive through the gate at the front of the community and then the gate
2: at their house?
0: Right, yeah. Then you're just kind of like, wow, here I am in my rusty old car or my (laughs) 12-passenger van going like, what am I doing here? But this tends to create a parent who's either very busy or is just able to give their kids whatever they want. Yeah. And so they're just so permissive that their kids are doing things, like really bad things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're just like, "Eh, whatever, Mm -hmm. everything's fine. Look at my kids got everything they could ever dream of. Mm -hmm. There's a pool, there's a basement. They've got everything they could ever want. And yet my kids come and tell me about all the crazy Mm -hmm. stuff these kids get away with because the parents presume that since their kids, they can provide whatever their kids want. Everything must be fine. Yeah. Because, you know, that comes from somebody who maybe grew up in poverty Mm -hmm. said, if I only had the things I needed and wanted, everything would be fine. Yeah. And so they just think that's the solution. Yeah. I think it's very easy in affluence to it, do when everything's fine. Parentally.
1: In its own way, yes, I can see with affluence. But also I, I can also see with working parents, two working parents, you're coming, because I grew up in a family like that. It's easy to not identify problems when your life is you come home from work at six then it's dinner, you get ready for the next day. So I think being mindful, because you brought up the word busyness and we see that in all demographics. Mm-hmm. So I think you can easily miss things as well. So I don't want to give us or the people listening. I don't want to give us like a oh well, psh, I'm not affluent, so I'm good. Business can also f- fog you and 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 make you overlook things like everything's good because it not things aren't urgent. They're not in your face. So you can just be like okay, good. You're just going through the grind, which
0: is That's family. Right. That's right. Tied with that is another kind of parenting, and the six different types of parenting Gerald Sinclair thinks exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's it, it's the you have to be perfect parenting, oh, and yeah. I've seen this in affluence a lot as well. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, these kinds of parents want their kids to do everything perfectly and never make mistakes. They hold them to standards that leave them feeling inadequate never able to please them but it's like creating the image of this person being the perfect child is what's expected and so Sarah and I have seen there's like among affluence there's like this particular image your child must portray you know yeah think like uh, what was it you know like in uh, the movie Mean Girls yes remember that movie years ago oh yeah where there was like a, a certain image you had to have if you were going to be the popular girl yeah okay so there's parents that have this you have to be perfect expectation you want them to be the popular kid yeah So we had this crazy experience when one of my daughters decided a couple years ago she wanted a pixie cut. Can you explain a pixie cut to people who don't know what that, or do you not know? No. So it's like a feminine haircut, but it's very short. And when my daughter went to school, we were like, sure, whatever. Give it a try. It's your head and and hair grows back. (laughs) Tons of girls would say to her, my parents would never let me do that. They wanted to do it. They wanted to try it. Hmm. But what it would have done is ruined the image their parents wanted them to portray of being the perfect child in the affluent family. Yeah. Which involves a certain hairstyle. It's tragic. Yeah, it is. But we think we're doing it for good motives, because if your kid could just be popular and just fit that perfect image, they'll have what you didn't have. And everything will be fine.
1: Well, it also speaks to you. I think a lot of it is also self-serving. The image you, like the adult, wants to set. Because you look successful, you got successful kids, very well put together. You bring up haircuts. There's the school you go to, the grades you get. Oh, yeah. You know, so setting those standards. And again, it's, it's mostly affluent. But if this applies to you, because you don't have to make a lot of money to have that, because you want to be able to go to the dinners or go to the church and be like, oh, yeah, my son is going to... Like, it gives you bragging rights. So I think a lot yes. of times it's not about, I want the best for my kid, A lot of it is about us and the image we want to portray.
0: It's exactly right. Because that you have to be perfect parent wants the kid to be in honors classes, wear the latest trends, have the best shoes, have that haircut everybody else has. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. Is that where the
2: um, recent influx or whatever of uh, parents who were paying off coaches to get their kid into the big name schools? Yeah. Yeah even though they didn't qualify. You have to be perfect parenting is where I think where that comes from. Wow. And they ended up having to be perfect inmates for a while.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for real. And there's the perfection, but even that Ron brings up. Can you imagine if I was that kind of parent? And I got a a lot of issues. I mean, I brought up some. I'll bring up some more later. But if you're that kind of parent, the disappointment you would feel, and this happens a lot of times, if your kid's like, I don't want to go to college. I want to be a plumber. Or it's just not my thing.
0: And yet, that, that kid will probably be more successful than you.
1: Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm.
0: Plumbers make some money. A
1: plumber's <laughs> or artists or whatever it is, what it does, and like in, in addition to money, like respecting your kid for who they are and letting right. them develop for who they are, and letting them know I love you and you're valuable. Like regardless where you want to go, I can be an engineer. You want to go into art? Awesome. You know, and and what we've done throughout the generations to kids like that, that are a little off the track, what we consider is the main track to follow.
0: And we think we're doing what's best for them. And what we're doing actually is being a dream crusher.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: But whenever you see a list like this, you can tell there's one that the author shows you as like the, and the best.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) The best
0: one. This was the one you should be. Mm -hmm. Puts it at number three of six which is right where you ought to put it, for the title of it.
1: Yeah, for real.
0: Let's see. I want to get Ron's reaction. The title. Okay. <laughs> average Parent. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Isn't that surprising? Um, oh, goodness. Yeah, he's not overselling
2: it, I guess.
0: <laughs> it's number average. three of six is Average Parenting. He said, mm-hmm. Average Parenting, in my opinion, is somewhere between permissive and authoritative. It's a good middle ground where the kids get their freedom but are still kept in check. Mm-hmm. These kinds of parents allow their kids to make their own mistakes and are very open and honest in their communications with them. While they do hold expectations for their kids, these expectations are realistic and not holding them to excessive standards. So they're, mm. they're average. And, it's, and he claims that it creates the most successful healthy children. Okay. How, how do you feel about You don't uh, like this.
1: I like it. Because in spite of the fact that I told you I was a little bit of everything's fine and I'm always right. You like got a I got a, pro- a whole lot of problems. <laughs> six
0: styles and you got like 12 <laughs> problems.
1: <laughs> For real. <laughs> the average parent, a lot of me is there. But now that my kids are older, it's scary. And it makes you sometimes feel neglectful. And the reason I'm saying that is they allow your kids to make their own mistakes when you see some of it, it makes you question like, oh, should I like have jumped on that and blocked them from that? And you d- still don't know, is this gonna be like a couple days, a couple years and then oops, oops. Or is this gonna like linger for a lifetime? And then as a parent, is this the one thing that you would have been like, if I would have done something that's, even though I'm there and even though I like it and my mom was there and I see and feel the results, it's a tightrope to walk, and it, it requires a lot of trust, a lot of trust on the Lord. That's a scary one. I, so how no, do you feel? Because you got got older kids, too. I'm,
0: it, it gives me a sense of relief.
1: It does. But what about the mistakes part? It's one thing when you got a three-year-old, and you're like the kind of parent that sits on the bench instead of walking with them, hmm. and let them fall, like, oh, he's going to learn. That's one thing. When you're dealing with teens... And you're this kind of parent you're exposing yourself to some stuff.
0: I just see one of the themes in the other five on this list one of the themes is that these particular individuals Mm -hmm. the style of parenting like the I'm always right parent the everything's fine parent is in some sense resisting the idea of the gospel. They're trying to be perfect they're trying to do works of some sort that are going to fix things that were wrong with them or whatever but it I think the average parent is the one that fully embraces the idea of the gospel. Like, listen, I'm going to get some things right here, but there's no way I'm going to be perfect. Yeah. I'm going to have to try some different strategies. I have to admit when I'm wrong. Do you see what I mean? Like, I I think the average parent, like the Christians ought to be average parents. We fully embrace, we're going to mess them up somehow, and we're just going to have to do our best (laughs) because we're a disaster. And it's only Christ that allows us to have any sense of I'm okay.
1: And even as believers, the acknowledgement and the embrace, embracing the fact that you don't have control, because I think those other ones that you mentioned as well. It's about control. Right. It's the elusiveness of like, yeah. you can control your kids, you know. But and you can't. You cannot. Yeah.
0: I mean, we even think we can somehow train faith into them. Mm-hmm. We will, in one sense, be declarative about how the Lord works together mysteriously, predestination and free will. But at the end of the day, we talk about when we gave our lives to Christ. Yeah. Do you ever tell anyone, anyone's testimony? Well, yes, my parents
1: right. made me a Christian. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, it was wonderful. I realized one day that all of their training made me a Jesus follower. Yeah. No, that's not how it works. Well, there are people who will give their testimony,
2: so to speak, as I was raised in a Christian home. I've been a Christian all my life and, and not ever refer to that point in time where they realized that they were a hopeless sinner and needed
0: Jesus to That's be right. uh, saved. And they also don't bring up their sibling who isn't following Jesus yeah, and was raised in the same home. Yes. Just See? didn't listen to That's mom true. and dad enough, I guess. <laughs> so I would say Christians ought to wholeheartedly embrace the idea that we're average parents Mm -hmm. Christ is perfect we're not stop trying to be perfect stop trying to give your kids the idea that you are because if you're giving your kids the idea that you're perfect or that they have to be perfect you are working contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ
1: hey hold up where are you going you know you liked your time with us you want more so go ahead look down hit that button right there and subscribe and you'll get updated episodes and then you can hang some more
0: And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello?
1: You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app, and you're able to connect with us.
0: Or just go to brianandjanelle.org.
1: And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa.
0: And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.